Hey guys, it's Sim and this is Wrestling Unlimited as it's Monday and this is the Wrestling Wrap-Up. A handful of news brought to you in one easy-to-watch video. As far as today's show does go, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six things to talk about. we got six things to talk about. You might say, oh, you usually talk about more on these shows. Yeah, but we're also reviewing NXT Deadline here. I didn't watch it live on Saturday because we were... Uh, we had a soccer tournament for my daughter. Then we went and took the kids to see the Christmas lights on Saturday night. And yesterday, I had a bunch of other work stuff I had to do. I watched the show yesterday, and now I'm finally able to review it. This day, today has been crazy. I had to go to doctor's appointments with the kids and other errands I had to run. Been a while the last couple of days. Been a busy last couple of days. But we're here to talk to you guys. We got NXT deadline to talk about. We got about... We got a... Top WWE Champions contract coming up in June. We're going to talk about what's up with Charlotte Flair and her potential injury. WWE's MLW lawsuit has been, I guess you could say, what's the word I'm looking for, settled. And New Japan's got a new belt, sort of. We're going to talk about all that and more right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Remember, if you are watching live, you can help us out a couple of different ways. If you're watching live on Twitch, you can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tier subscription, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also, remember, head over to YouTube and do a couple of things there. Hit that subscribe button to subscribe to the channel and get notifications when we do post new videos and go live. Hit that join button to become a channel member. And also, remember that you can also donate Twitch. Uh, you can also donate Super Chats in the live chat to make sure your question, comment, or concern does get read live on the air. Super Chats are greatly appreciated. They help keep the lights on. Any way you guys can support, we appreciate it. Also, remember, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use this code right here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Remember, Fortnite's got three new modes. Three of them. Lego, which is a survivor survival-style mode. Festival, which is basically rock band. And Rocket Racing, which is racing. And it's like if they turned Rocket League into an actual racing game, but they did it in Fortnite. Cosmetics for all three. So if you're going to the store and buying things, use this code right here. PW Unlimited at checkout to help us out. Also, I'm just going to say it right now. I'm swiping the card in a couple of days when they add all them Ninja Turtle skins. So if you want Ninja Turtles in Fortnite, whether that's regular Fortnite or... Or the Lego versions, use this code right here, PW Unlimited. Also, don't forget to claim the free games, which right now is Gigabash and Predecessor. But as far as all that does go, we've got a bunch of things to talk about. So let's kick it off with our review and recap of NXT Deadline. Pull up the notes here. The NXT Deadline did take place this weekend, Saturday night from Bridgeport, Connecticut live on Peacock and the WWE Network internationally. I thought it was a really good show. 
from the Axiom Nathan Frazier match on the pre-show, which I think is a must-watch. They got like 11, 12 minutes and killed it. We had the Women's Iron Survivor that wasn't bad. Lash Legend really showed out in that match. We got the Men's Iron Survivor match, where I'm going to say it right now. I don't know if you would name him Rookie of the Year, but I would say Most Improved in 2023, Trick Got Dying Williams. Trick Got Dying Williams. Most Improved in 2023. Because Trick Williams, when did he start in WWE? Hold on. He was around in 2022, right? But like, this is the year when he wasn't just Mello's manager, if you know what I mean. The hype guy for Mello. Yeah, because last year in the PWI... 500. Well, technically in 2023, but for 22 into 23, he was ranked 231 in the top 500. But he started with WWE. Um, he signed a WWE developmental contract and was announced signing on February 24th, 2021. He made his first appearance on September 14th. Another name, Trick Williams, as an ally of Carmelo Hayes. So he's been on NXT television since late 21. So last year would have been his rookie year because he didn't do any wrestling before signing with WWE. So he would have been considered, I would say 22 was his rookie year. But if we're looking at 23 as a whole for Trick Williams, I would go as far. And when we do our uh, end of the year awards, which you will be doing those this year, I'm just going to say right now, Trick Williams will be on the list of most improved. He will be a nominee for most improved pro wrestler in 2023. I will say that for show because he did train... This says he was trained by Combat Zone and the WWE Performance Center. Which is interesting because this says he was trained by Combat Zone on, um, well, let me see, hold on. What does this cage match say? Matches. Did he have matches before signing with WWE? It doesn't look like it. It looks like his first his first known match on Cage Match was an NXT Tag Team title Fatal 4-Way match. It was MSK defending against Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams and the Grizzled Young Vets. So that was the first known match. I don't know why his Wikipedia says that he trained with Combat Zone. That's interesting. Oh. His Cage Match says it too, but he just didn't have any matches for them. Okay. Interesting, interesting. But no, I'm going to say right now, Trick Williams is a standout right now. Like, he's just, crowds love him. You should have, like, if you didn't watch Deadline, during his entrance, we got that, woo, that, trick, woo, that, trick, with just about everybody saying, singing it, right? When he won that match, that place exploded, and everybody in that building was going, woo, that, trick, woo, that, trick. And you have Booker on commentary, uh-huh, yeah, get it. Oh, yeah, man. Uh-huh. All right. It's funny as hell. Booker's got such a distinct voice to where I watched part of this show live. I'll say that on my phone while we were driving to take the kids to um the Christmas lights. And my ex's now husband watched wrestling growing up and in the early 2000s, but hasn't actually really watched in maybe 15 years. But I had, and I had my phone on like low volume, so I, I I can barely hear it. And he goes, do I hear Booker T? I'm like, uh, yeah. He's one of the commentary for the show on tonight. He goes, wow, that takes me back. 
But yeah, Booker's voice is so distinct that someone who hasn't watched it in 15 years can just hear him say like one or two words on commentary and be like, that's Booker T. So, as far as the show does go, though, it did kick off on the pre-show with a great pre-show match that I want to say went about 11 minutes. I'm going to pull up the wiki to get the times. Uh, NXT deadline. This first match on the pre-show did go 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Woo, was this a humdinger of a good match. Uh, very good exchange early on by both men. Frazier gained control after laying out Axiom with the fist, but with the fist, but Axiom came back with a corner from the corner and got a near fall. Frazier then dropped Axiom in the corner, but let Axiom walk off. Frazier then fired back with more chops and then hit a snap suplex for a two. Axiom locked on an octopus stretch, but Fraser escaped and locked in a Cobra Clutch. He took everybody, uh, this took them to the floor. Axiom shifted his weight to pin Fraser at one point back in the ring, but he kicked out. There was a springboard off the ropes, and that connected with a reverse DDT into a near fall. Axiom then hit a half Nelson suplex, then a penalty kick for another near fall. Fraser went for a small package, but Axiom kicked out. Axiom put Fraser on the ropes and went to the top, and then he hit a forearm, sending Fraser to the floor. Axiom then hit a giant moonsault off the turnbuckle, connecting with Fraser on the outside. Axiom went to climb on the turnbuckle, but Fraser met him in the middle and connected with a big superplex. Got another two count off of it. Fraser then went for a Phoenix splash, but Axiom dodged it and only to get pelted with a super kick. Fraser then jumped off the top rope, but Axiom hit him with a super kick this time. Frazier then hit his own super kick. Frazier went to the top rope, but Axiom met him there and hit a big splash. No, big Spanish fly. I wrote that weird. I wrote splash fly. The Spanish fly. Follows up with a super kick to score the pinfall victory. So there we go. Axiom does defeat Nathan Frazier. So then I think this was on the main show, but I also think maybe this was... On the pre-show, I'm not really sure. It all kind of melded and molded and meshed together. So there's Shawn Michaels and CM Punk. Yeah, you heard me right. Shawn Michaels and CM Punk in the ring together. So, where was I? Shawn Michaels opens up deadline. So, like I said, I think this was supposed to be the open of the show. Uh, he welcomes us to the show, saying that this was the final WWE, WWE premium live event of the year. And then we hear... And out comes CM Punk, wearing a Calgary Hitman jersey. HBK brought it up, saying that he's wearing a uh, Bret Hart hoodie. He said, you and Bret Hart made up. Me and Triple H also made up, which I loved that reference in that line. Uh, they posed for a selfie in the middle of the ring. Punk brought up the question of where will I sign? Will it be Raw? Will it be SmackDown? NXT? He had the people chanting his name, and then he hugged HBK. It looked like Sean was going to say something, and then... CM Punk's music hits again, and it's just like, well, that was kind of weird, but... go. A decent opening segment into pretty well-wrestled match. Dragon Lee defeating Dominic Mysterio for the NXT Championship. So word coming out of this is that Dom was always going to drop the belt 
And this was actually supposed to be Wes Lee winning the belt back. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a Trick Williams situation where we saw at no mercy Trick beat Dom for the NXT North American Championship only for Dom to win it back just a couple of days later. So we'll see how this all does actually go. But as of right now, the plan always was for Dom to drop the belt here. Yeah, I know why they say whoop that trick, uh, Kid Vicious. I didn't ask that. I know that's why I didn't. Yeah. I just think it's funny. They go, whoop that trick. And you hear Booker in between each one. Yeah. Whoop that trick. Uh-huh. Whoop that trick. All right. Whoop that trick. Get it, man. And he's like, man. Like, dang Booker. Dang Booker. Anyway, as far as the North American title match, announcers noted that Judgment Day weren't with Dominic for this match, and Rey Mysterio was the second of Dragon Lee. Yet, Rey's on crutches and can't do anything, so he joined commentary. Dragon Lee gained control early on with the big Tope Conheo to the floor. He took out Rey, uh, Dominic with it. He then took down Mysterio with an armbar. Mysterio dropped him on the apron with a DDT to cut Lee off. Mysterio whipped him hard into the turnbuckle and posed as his father watched on commentary. Mysterio then hit a springboard senton for a near fall. To say right now, Dominic is the workhorse of WWE. Dom has had more matches this year than anybody in the company. Close to second is Cody Rhodes. I don't have the exact number. I'm going to look that up and maybe do like a video of who's worked the most matches and stuff. But Dom's worked more matches than anybody. Cody is second. Dragon Lee, uh, where was I? Uh, Mysterio then sat down and locked on a sleeper on Lee, keeping Lee grounded. He then went for the three amigos. Lee attempted to cut him off on one of them, but Mysterio went ahead and hit the third one and got a near fall off of it. Mysterio then went to the top rope and tried to take Lee with him, but Lee cut him off. Uh, Lee cut him off and hit a stomp off the turnbuckle, sending Mysterio from the apron to the floor. Lee then came back with a running drop kick to the corner and put Mysterio on the turnbuckle. He hit another stomp with Mysterio grabbing the bottom rope to stop the count. Mysterio then cut off Lee with a running drop kick, but Lee fired back with a German suplex and went for a powerbomb that he kind of botched. He didn't get all the powerbomb here, and they, like, fell awkward, but Dom saved the spot, got up, and just started going again. Like, Dom kept this match going because Dragon Lee botched the spot and got a little, got a little you know, rattled. Uh, Mysterio then came back with a powerbomb of his own and got a two off of it. Mysterio did miss a 619, walking into a Liger bomb by Lee for a near fall. Lee then connected with a standing slice bread and pinned Mysterio to pick up the victory. So there we go. Dominic is no longer your NXT North American champion, and we'll see for how long, whether he does get it back or doesn't get it back eventually. Then we had the Women's Iron Survivor match, which we know Iron Survivor goes 25 minutes. So if you're unfamiliar with the rules of the Iron Survivor, I didn't think of it like this. But then when I listened to the Brian and Vinny show from F4W Online last night, Vinny Ver, uh, Vince Verhey, Big Vinny V, actually just, I'm, I feel dumb not thinking about this. He said, it's just a multi-person Iron Man match with a penalty box. Duh. Why didn't I not think of it like that? But yeah, this match is just a multi-man 
Iron Man match with the penalty box and people coming in at inter, uh, intermittent intervals. So basically, two people start the match. And every five minutes, another person comes out. Once you have 15 minutes, everybody's in the ring. And there you go. If you get pinned, you go to the penalty box for 90 seconds. If you pin somebody or submit them, so pin or submit, you go to the penalty box. Pin a pinned or submitted, you go to the penalty box. If you get pin, if you get the pin or the submission, you get a point. Which we'll talk about that men's match and the points there. They did some wild stuff with points in the men's match. So as far as the women's Iron Survivor match, better than the one they did last year, I will say. I thought the women's match here was better than the women's match last year. This match did consist of Fallon Henley, Blair Davenport, Tiffany Stratton, Kalani Jordan, and Lash Legend. So Fallon Henley and Blair Davenport were the first two in the ring. The two traded pinfall attempts early on. Davenport sent Henley into the turnbuckle as she gained control, then worked on Henley's back until Henley broke free, hitting a running dropkick to the back of Davenport's head. At the five-minute mark, Tiffany Stratton would make her way out to the ring. Stratton and Davenport then worked together to gain the advantage over Henley. Basically, it's like war games. The heels worked together over the babyface, and they both had like a Fujiwara armbar on her with both arms at the same time, but she never tapped. Stratton eventually just let go. I laid out Davenport. was like, screw this. It ain't working. She hit her with a super kick, ending their alliance. Stratton then hit a running springboard splash in the corner on both women. Stratton then hit a springboard cartwheel into an Alabama slam, but Davenport threw her out of the ring and covered Henley to score the first point of the match as Kalani Jordan made her way out to the ring as well. Henley at one point was put into, uh, this point was put into the penalty box as Jordan started to control the match, the fresh woman in. She hit a springboard splash, but Stratton pulled Jordan off of Davenport. Stratton then threw Jordan through the middle rope to the floor where Davenport was standing. Henley then was freed from her 90-second entraption, and she ran wild on Tiffany Stratton, hitting a Shining Wizard to score the point. Henley attempted to pin Jordan at one point as Stratton was put in the penalty box. Jordan bridged out of a fall and rolled up Henley to get a second point. Stratton re-entered the match and attacked Henley as Davenport attacked Jordan. Flash Legend will then enter the ring at the 15-minute mark, being the last woman to enter with Davenport and Henley uh, earring, uh, earning of point each at this point. They did the Tower of Doom spot at one point as well. That required This basically required an every WWE multi-person match. The Legend... Lash Legend, I don't know why I said the Legend. Lash Legend chokeslammed Stratton at one point and then powerbombed Henley, covering both women. Uh, so she covered both at the same time. They gave Lash Legend two points because she covered two women at once. They're like, yeah, we'll give you two points. Which put her in the lead all of a sudden. Fallon and Stratton were in the penalty box together. Kalani Jordan hit Lash Legend with a Hurricane Rana at one point, then connected with a springboard moonsault to the floor. Jordan then pushed, uh, Davenport then pushed Jordan to the floor as she started to set up the step, set up on the announce table. Metaphor came out and blocked the penalty box, trapping Henley and Stratton inside. Both tried to climb out of the box, but Stratton pushed Henley off, sending her through the announce table. Stratton then wiped out the rest of the women with a tope cone heel off the top of the penalty box. Last legend then recovered. Started to just try to pin people. She just tried to go pinning everybody. Jordan went off the top, but Legend grabbed her 
and started using Jordan as a weapon. At one point, everyone went down as Davenport managed to pin Jordan, tying her, uh, tying her with Last Legend for first place. Jordan was then put in the penalty box as Legend grabbed Henley and Davenport. Stratton attacked Legend as Jordan was freed. Jordan connected with a crossbody on Legend, but Stratton attacked Jordan and pinned Legend with a PME to score a point. Jordan then hit a 450 on both Legend and Stratton, but it was broken up by Davenport with about 60 seconds to go. Davenport then hit a running knee on Henley to score yet another point, putting her in the lead. So then there's less than a minute left. She runs around the ring so no one can get at her, which it's like you're avoiding the rest of the women, but you really should be in the ring making sure none of them are getting a pinfall. Why are you running around on the outside? Anyways, the clock expires with everyone just kind of looking around at one point, and yeah, Lord Davenport does pick up the victory, and on January 2nd, NXT New Year's Evil, she will challenge Lyra Valkyria for the NXT Women's Championship. And speaking of Lyra, match ends, and Lyra does come out on the stage. Valkyria poses with the title before she's jumped from behind by Cora Jade. Cora Jade then grabs the belt and poses with it over Valkyria as well. She is back on NXT television. I guess she's supposed to be a heel, but then we got a super babyface segment with her that aired on social media with CM Punk. I I don't know what the, what the what. Is Cora Jade supposed to be a heel or a babyface? Because she's doing a promo, an interview backstage with Kelly Kincaid. And um, CM Punk walks up and is like, hey, Glad to see you out there tonight. Glad to see that you're back. I'm very proud of you, and you should be proud of yourself. Oh, yeah. April is proud of you as well. And so, like, Cora Jade starts tearing up. Because before that, she was just like, yeah, it's so great to be back in NXT. It's so great to see CM Punk back. I mean, he's my all-time favorite wrestler. And then they do this segment with Punk. It's like, A... I don't know if I'm a fan of these younger wrestlers now going, CM Punk is my favorite wrestler, or just so-and-so is my favorite all-time wrestler. I watched you when I, like, I don't, I don't know if I like that, because it almost, in my opinion, takes some of the credibility away from that wrestler and just is, is like, oh, so are you a threat as a wrestler, or are you just some random-ass super fan? You know? So, I... I'm kind of on the fence about this where it's just like she was, oh my God, CM Punk. I loved seeing him tonight. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. And da 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 da. da. And then when he's like, I'm proud of you. And April's proud of you. It's just like, I don't know if I really like that. As far as the next match does go, it was Lexus King against Carmelo Hayes. This match went just a little over 11 minutes. It was all right. This was for a Carmelo Hayes match. I thought it was beneath Carmelo Hayes. I will say that. Carmelo Hayes usually has way better matches, especially on pay-per-view. And this was just a okay TV match. So, Lexus King comes out looking like Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega had an AI baby. Hayes gains the early control and takes King to the ground. 
Hayes worked over King's right hand. King then cut him off, sending Hayes to the floor and hitting a running drop kick to the outside. King dodged an enziguri attempt by Hayes and worked him over with a half crab. King then laid out Hayes with a backbreaker and got uh, two off of it. Hayes then floated over with a crossbody for a near fall, but King immediately laid him out for a lariat and told, uh, told him to shake the hand. Hayes did, but then gave him the finger and started to chop King. King and Hayes ended up on the top rope as King hit a clothesline that sent both men to the floor. Hayes then started to make a comeback, but King came back with a, job, a jack hammer for a near fall. Hayes then went for a springboard, but King cut him off and hit a backbreaker. Hayes cut off King again and then kind of hit the nothing but net and picked up the victory. But like the match just came to an end. Like they were going, 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 going. And then all of a sudden, Melo hits the nothing but net and it's over. And it's just like, oh, that's it. That's it. So Carmella Hayes does win. We have more Carmella Hayes news we're going to talk about later on here in the show. Okay, Vicious says, are you saying you didn't like it? Didn't like what? The Core Jade promo? Or the woman's Iron Survivor? Or the... Didn't like what? The Mellow match? I thought it was okay. It's just we're used to Carmelo Hayes matches being so much better, if that's what you're saying. If you're asking... Did I not or did I or did I not like the Carmelo Hayes Lexus King match? I thought it was a fine passable match. Oh, the Core J promo. I thought it was okay. It was more confusing than anything because the way she returns, it was like a heel, and she was a heel last time we saw her, and then she does this super baby face. Oh my God, I love you, CM Punk promo. So it's just not that I didn't like it. I was confused by it. I was confused by what we're supposed to believe she is, a heel or a babyface. But as far as this Carmelo Hayes-Lexus King match, I expected more out of it because it's Carmelo Hayes. Well, I don't know if this match was a lesser Melo Hayes match because of King or if they phoned it in. I don't know. But it just felt like, A, the match ended kind of just there. there, there it was a flat ending for sure. And... Yeah, it's just kind of weird. The match itself just didn't feel like a pay-per-view worthy Carmelo Hayes match. Uh, they did officially announce that Vengeance Day will be coming to us from Clarksville, Tennessee on February 4th, live on Peacock and the WWE Network internationally. Trick Williams then apologized to Carmelo Hayes backstage. Hayes asked if they were good, and Williams said they were. Hayes then told them, whoop, that's right. Then we had the men's Iron Survivor match. This was great, fast-paced, and it was just, yeah, I loved this match. I thought this was the best thing on the show, and it was so much fun to watch, especially with some of the ways that they got guys just pin, 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 pin. And again, Trick Williams is my most improved wrestler of the year. I'll say that faux shout. Remember, guys, if you haven't done so already, follow the channel here on Twitch. Subscribe on YouTube. That way you get notified when we do go live or post new videos. So as far as the matches go, Dijak and Josh Briggs started off. So we got the two big guys. The two big guys. And I don't know if this is a compliment or not. But for some reason, like, throughout this match, I'm seeing Josh Briggs and the way he's moving and doing things. And I go, ah, has he been studying Corbin? 
I don't know. I just got a Baron Corbin vibe from him during this match. Nothing bad, not in a bad way or anything. I still think, I think he came off really well in this match, but for some reason, I was just, maybe it's because the gear, the body type, I was just kind of getting Corbin vibes. Baron Corbin vibes from Josh Briggs. Anyways, they did some big guy stuff early on. Traded some big guy spots until Dijak gained the advantage. Dijak hit a choke slam and got a near fall off of it. Briggs attempted a choke slam of his own and Dijak uh, escaped. Dijak then hit the feast your eyes on Briggs for the first point of the match as Tyler Bate entered as the third man at the five minute mark. Briggs was put in the penalty box as Bate traded blows with Dijak. Bate hit an exploder into the turnbuckle and went for an airplane spin only for Briggs to break it up. Briggs then hit a lariat on Dijak and covered him to earn a point. Briggs threw Bate into the penalty box, but Bate cut him off and sent him back into the ring, where he connected with an uppercut off the middle rope. Briggs then connected with a splash for another near fall as Dijak is freed. Bate hit the Tyler Driver 97, but Dijak broke up the pin and then went for the feast your eyes. Bate countered with a roll-up. However, uh, he got him with a roll-up and got the first his first point of the match. Bate then went for a sleeper on Briggs as Trick Williams entered the match and ran wild. Dijak then went to the middle rope, but Williams used Briggs to launch himself launch himself into a clothesline to Dijak for a close near fall. Bate and Williams and traded airplane spins. This was cool, with Bate finally just dropping him after a long airplane spin. Bate then hit the Tiger Driver 97 on Williams and scored another pinfall, putting him in the lead with two points. At the 15-minute mark, the final man came out. Braun Breaker, and he went wild. Braun goes in and immediately, big spear to Briggs. One, two, three, boom. Bate then tries to come off the rope. Spear, one, two, three, boom. Dijak then goes after uh, Breaker. Spear, one, two, three, boom. All three men are in the penalty box, and Braun Breaker immediately, in less than 60 seconds, takes the lead with three points. Breaker and Williams went at it in the ring, and Breaker managed to apply the Steiner recliner at one point. However, Williams did escape. As the other three men. So, like, Briggs gets let out of the box, right? His time expires. The other two still have time. But they all just fall out of the box because they're fighting. And then the ref's just like, yeah, you each have like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Just go. Just go, basically. Williams, at one point, goes to the top rope and hits a huge Crossbody off the top to everybody on the floor. Dijak and Williams then enter the ring with Dijak hitting a big boot to pin Williams. Dijak is now at two points. Trick's still at zero. Trick's the only person still at zero. Breaker then hit a Frankensteiner off the top rope. But then the Frankensteiner sent Dijak flipping off the top rope. Tyler Bate grabbed him and power bombs him. Just hits him right at the very end. Power bomb rolls through it. One, two, three. He gets the pin. And Braun looks at him like, you stole my pin. It was like kind of a midair Tiger Driver 97 more just like sit out powerball. Anyways, he ties Breaker. They both now have three points. Six minutes to go. Bait and Breaker are tied. Breaker then hit a top rope crossbody, but Briggs broke it up. Briggs and Dijak then hit a double clothesline on Bait and took out Williams and Baker as they both went to the top rope to hit stereo moonsaults. Briggs kind of Floated a little too far back and barely got that moonsault, but hey, we'll give it to him. They both get pins, and they both get points. 
trick. Still at zero. Remember that. Still at zero. Fate, Breaker, Dijak, three. Briggs, two. Both Dijak and Briggs tried to big boot bait, but bait ducked, and Dijak and Briggs ended up connecting with one another. Breaker then speared Williams through the barricade on the outside, but Dijak chokeslammed Breaker through the announce table with 90 seconds to go. Williams then somehow made it back into the ring, pinning Briggs, getting his first point. Dijak then hit the feature eyes on Williams, but Eddie Thorpe would then come in, pull the referee out of the match. Like, there's no DQ there, but who's he only going to DQ? Williams then used the distraction of Eddie Thorpe grabbing Dijak and smacking him headfirst into the top turnbuckle. Uh, Trick then rolls up Dijak and pins him one, two, three. Um, then I didn't kind of catch how, but like Tyler Bate was then just down, so he pinned him one, two, three. Like, what? He's now at three points. Ron Breaker then gets back in the ring, sets up for a spear, but instead of getting the spear, he gets a knee to the face. Trick with this 10 seconds to go. Trick and Braun run at each other. Trick hits the knee. Braun goes down. There is five seconds left. No, six seconds left in this match. He jumps on Braun. One, two, three. There's three seconds left. Ding, ding, ding. And your winner, Trick Williams. So Trick, in the last 90 seconds of this match, scores four pinfalls. Gets four points and wins the Iron Survivor. This place goes nuts. Booker's very happy. And yeah, Trick Williams will be challenging for the NXT Championship on January 2nd against Ilya Dragunov, who did successfully defend on the show. So yeah, fast pace, a lot going on, but a very fun match. So let me get a backstage segment where it's Josh Briggs and Fallon Henley. They walk up on Brooks Jensen, and Brooks is like, hey, you know, don't be so down on yourself. You guys did your best. You guys did great. You should be excited about your performance. And Briggs is like, well, my hand didn't get raised. I didn't win. You feel Fallon. And they're like, yeah, we didn't win. So we're not that happy. And then all of a sudden, Metaphor shows up. And Last Legend is like, yeah, you're a loser. You didn't win. And Fallon's like, you didn't win either. She goes, no, 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 no. I could have won, but time expired. I'm like, okay. Was there something we didn't see there in the last couple of seconds? Because the cameras didn't catch it? I don't know. Then Brooks Jensen and uh, Fallon Henley start fighting with Noam Dar, Last Legend, and Oro Mensa. Uh, oh, I always forget her first name. Jackson. Jakara Jackson is kind of off to the side, not getting involved because she's injured right now. So this does look like, and I don't know if this was announced later. I didn't catch it. It looks like we're going to get a six-man mixed tag. There's a big old brawl. So then we see this big, huge video wall that looks like an entrance. The... Screen slides open. Donna James walks through it. Screen then closes. And as she's walking, we're walking with her, and we notice, oh, she's in the new WWE headquarters. This place is fancier than all get out. She walks out of the building, gets in an Escalade, some sort of SUV. I think it was an Escalade. I don't know. And drives off. 
Then we get Roxanne Perez coming out. Keanu James comes out. And I'm just going to say it. This match was just there. This is probably my weakest thing on the show. If I would say what was the weakest thing, excuse me, it was this. This to me was the weakest thing on the show. Oh, okay, thank you, Since Saturday. He said it wasn't now, so they are doing the this uh, mixed six-person tag. So yeah, it was Keanu James and Roxanne Perez in a cage match. That was, eh, whatever. We still got interference, even though it was a goddamn cage match. So Perez and James trade blows early on with James attempting to throw her purse at Perez. We know what's in the purse. It's the brick. But it's to no avail. Perez gets thrown into the cage and James tries to escape by climbing the cage. But to no avail. James cut off Perez and stomped on her. Which was... Rap... Uh, oh. Uh, I wrote this weird... Just skip that paragraph. That makes no sense. Perez at one point uh, was taken down with a spine buster. Roxanne Perez did make a comeback, throwing James headfirst into the cage, then hitting a side rush and leg sweep. Perez then started to climb the cage, but James cut her off and gave her a powerbomb off the middle rope. Perez then came back, with, uh, came back by countering a Pop Rocks and getting a near fall. James countered another Pop Rocks as she demanded the referee open the door. James grabbed a steel chair as Perez cut her off and grabbed the chair. She walked over to the door, and then all of a sudden, Izzy Dame, of all people, would slam the door in Perez's face, allowing James to hit the deal breaker on a chair and pin her to pick up the victory. Match itself went 11 minutes and 27 seconds. Didn't feel like it was that long, and it didn't feel like much happened in this 11-minute match anyways. This match was kind of boring. I didn't care for it. And yeah, Dame then gets in the ring and raises James' hand, clearly signaling they are an alliance now. Yeah, didn't care for this match one bit. It was there. I guess you can say it's a big win for Kiana James, beating former NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez, but it's like, okay, but the match itself wasn't all that good. It was just a, oh, we could tell they practiced this match a lot cage match. Like, this match felt very rehearsed. Let me move on to our main event, which was way better than I expected for Baron Corbin match. And guess maybe you could say, thank you, Ilya Dragunov. So Dragunov always brings, like I was saying with Carmelo Hayes, another level on pay-per-view or PLE. And so does Dragunov. It was just, he made Baron Corbin look so good in this match. So Corbin took Dragunov down early with the headlock. But Dragunov escaped. Also, Corbin goes from losing this match to the next day hanging out with Taylor Swift in the suite at the Chiefs game. Yes, he was in the suite taking selfies with Swift and the other people at the Chiefs game. So, Corbin may have lost here, but he got to go hang out with Taylor Swift the next day. So, anyways, uh, Dragunov escaped the headlock. Corbin took him down yet again, and the two brawled around the ring, capping this off with Corbin suplexing Dragunov stomach first into the announce table. The two made their way back to the ring where they traded offense until Corbin gave Dragunov the snake eyes into the turnbuckle. Dragunov attempted a suplex on Corbin, but Corbin reversed into a DDT. He planted Dragunov with a Uranagi and applied a Dragon Sleeper. Corbin lifted up Dragunov and drove his knee into Dragunov's stomach. Dragunov fired back with a running knee to Corbin and hit a senton. 
Both men traded blows until Dragunov slapped Corbin, sending him to the floor. Dragunov then, uh, Dragunov then scrapped his boots, scraped his boots across Corbin's face, then planted him with a German suplex for a near fall. It's like, this looks so cool because it's like, small, I wouldn't call him short or small or anything, but like smaller Dragunov and the bigger Corbin and him hitting that German. It just looks so cool. Great spot visually. Dragunov attempted a powerbomb, but Corbin escaped. They met on the top rope, where Corbin chokeslammed Dragunov off the top. Corbin then applied a Dragon Sleeper on Dragunov, but only, but only for Dragunov to get out of it by taking down Corbin with a running drop into the turnbuckle. Corbin then countered with a deep six and connected with a Brain Buster for a near fall. Corbin then went for the end of days, and Dragunov countered and hit a Jackknife Powerbomb. After hitting a coast-to-coast dropkick, Dragunov started to sell his ribs. He charged at Corbin, encountered the end of days, and hit three H-bombs. Corbin then got up as Dragunov told him something, I don't know what, and then connected with the Torpedo Moscow to pick up the victory. So there we go. This match did go 20 minutes and 55 seconds. Good main event. I thought that was a really well-done match with Dragunov and um, Baron Corbin. When the match ends... Trick Williams comes out and motions, I want that belt. I'm going to challenge you and I want that belt. Carmelo then walks out behind him, signaling something, I don't know what, as the show does go off the air. So that was very telling. Trick didn't know as far as it seemed that Carmelo was behind him. Why did Carmelo come out? Well, we're still to believe that Carmelo may have been the one that attacked Trick from behind. And this is just more foreshadowing telling us that. He is... Looking at Trick from behind. He's coming at Trick from behind. Trick doesn't see him behind him. Trick doesn't know he's behind him. Trick got attacked from behind by somebody he didn't see or know was behind him. I think Carmelo Hayes is going to go heel. And this is going to be the really big ascension of Trick Williams. And maybe, just maybe, because the whole thing I believe this is, is that Carmelo is jealous of the attention Trick is now getting, the opportunities Trick is now getting. I think he screws Trick out of the match, out of the title at New Year's Evil. That's my prediction. But with that, that was NXT Deadline. I thought it was a really good show. It was really fun to watch. A couple matches that were just there. But overall, very easy three, three and a half hour show. With that, I'm going to wrap up that part of the show. Now, we got to get into the news, and I'm going to move some stuff around just so it makes a little more sense, because we have some trick, not trick, but Carmelo news. Carmelo Hayes news. So we do know that there is a tournament going on on SmackDown right now to crown the new number one contender for the WWE United States Championship. Grayson Waller on SmackDown Friday is supposed to face somebody from NXT, and we now know that somebody is Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes will be taking part in the United States Championship Tournament on SmackDown. As revealed by Shawn Michaels in a video posted on WWE social media Sunday, Hayes will be representing NXT in the tournament. He will be facing Grayson Waller this Friday on SmackDown, December 15th. So, this is very cool. I was always in, like, in thinking who from NXT should be in this spot. Who should be representing NXT in this tournament? I always was like, 
got to be either Carmelo Hayes or Braun Breaker. Got to be one of them, and it's Carmelo Hayes. So that's really cool to see. Hayes has been given this opportunity to at least have one main roster match. I don't know if he's going to beat Grayson Waller, but the winner of that match then faces the winner of Kevin Owens and Austin Theory. Speaking of Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens in the last year signed a new contract with WWE. A number of WWE wrestlers' contracts are coming up in 2024, and we learned today of another one. A current world champion's contract up in June is Fightful, writes the following. Drew McIntyre, Becky Lynch, Alex Hammerstone, QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, Deanna Perrazzo, and others have all been confirmed as having deals coming up in 2024. There's another big name that currently has a deal set to expire in 2024. World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins. Fightful has learned that Rollins is in June of 2024. And as of a couple weeks ago, there haven't been discussions regarding a contract extension. As you can imagine, by the placement of him on the card, Rollins is well-liked and respected within the company. And we're told that there will be, quote, obviously an offer made at some point with WWE sources even indicating that he'd be made a priority. When asking a WWE official, we were told, quote, we would not dispute that information, end quote, as it pertains to the contract being up next year and that Rollins would be made a priority. WWE re-signed numerous talents in 2019 when AEW launched, locking numerous into long-term five-year deals that are up in 2024. We're unsure if Rollins was among those. Fightful did reach out to Rollins and have not heard and has not heard back. As things stand, both Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch's deals are set to go up, expire in June. So I don't think Seth is going to leave. I think Seth stays with WWE. I'm not going to say that's 100, though. I could see maybe like 20% chance he leaves. I mean, this could be a Kevin Owens situation. You may go, oh, well, he wants to hear what AEW offers. Maybe it's a Kevin Owens situation. And like two months before, we learned that he signed a new deal without even listening to other offers and that he's staying with WWE. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. But as of right now, Seth Rollins' current contract with WWE is set to expire in June. Uh, we got some rapid fire news here. Just to wrap everything up before Raw starts because we're coming up there. Charlotte Flair seems to have been injured this past weekend at or this past Friday on SmackDown. She did not work this weekend's live events. And PW Insider has an update on her status stating, quote, PWInsider.com has confirmed that Charlotte Flair has returned home to Florida. WWE sources have indicated that she is not expected back in the ring until she completes Evaluated medical is completely evaluated medically. She has been pulled off the road until the company gets confirmation of the nature of her injury. We are told that the company is working on setting that up now. Flair is believed to have injured her knee and struck her head while slipping off the top rope while wrestling Asuka on Friday's SmackDown. So again, it's still unclear what's going on with Charlotte, other than she's hurt in some point, whether that's the knee, concussion, or so forth, and she ain't coming back until they know she's good. They want to get her fully checked out. Um, as far as WWE's schedule goes for the rest of December, they've changed some things up. Following the December 18th episode of WWE Raw in Des Moines, Iowa next week, the company will go on holiday leave until December 26th. This includes NXT tapings at the Performance Center. WWE's upcoming schedule was addressed in Friday's edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. 
And Dave Meltzer reported that this week's SmackDown in Green Bay will be a double taping that includes the December 22nd episode as well. WWE SmackDown on December 29th is not scheduled to be a live broadcast either. The company has house shows scheduled in Toronto and Las Vegas that night, and both are advertised as such. WWE will also tape two episodes of NXT this week. Tuesday's show will run as scheduled, but the December 19th episode of SmackDown will be taped at the WWE Performance Center on Wednesday, December 13th. Uh, moving forward, WWE has settled their, I guess you could say, lawsuit with MLW. Uh, just really quick on that one. In accordance with court standing order uh, for a civil case, the court has ordered a hearing on 124-24 for the two sides to discuss the settlement. They have until 118-24 to file with the court, quote, the status of the set, uh, settlement efforts as well as the amount of additional time necessary to finalize and file a dismissal. TheDemonsider.com has reached out to both MLW and WWE for a comment but nothing has been said yet. Basically, this is all because MLW felt that WWE interfered with them getting a deal with Reels. Or, well, actually, no. Is this the Tubi one? Interfered with them getting a deal with Tubi and then got them kicked off of Reels, basically. So, Tubi is owned by Fox. MLW was going to sign a deal with Tubi, and the word is, when Stephanie McMahon heard about that, she went to Fox and said, hey, uh-uh, we're your wrestling company. You don't get to have anybody else. And so they kiboshed the Tubi deal. Then, when Reels signed a deal to air live on Peacock, they said, oh, well, uh, we already have an exclusive wrestling partner. We can't air you. So basically, whenever MLW airs on Reels, the Reels channel on Peacock goes black. Peacock eventually didn't like that. Reels didn't like that, and they basically cut MLW off of Reels. And the final news story we do have here, New Japan, sort of kind of technically, has a new championship. NJPW is introducing a new global heavyweight championship with their first title holder set to be crowned on uh, at Wrestle Kingdom 18. The promotion revealed in a press conference Monday that the three-way between John Moxley, Will Ospreay, and David Finley set to take place at Wrestle Kingdom will decide the inaugural IWGP Global Heavyweight Champion. The new title takes the place of the now defunct IWGP United States slash United Kingdom Heavyweight Championship that was abolished following power struggle in November when Finley destroyed the titles held by Will Ospreay as Moxley stepped forward to challenge Ospreay for the belts. NJPW released the following statement stating, quote, the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship came into being in came into being in January. Don't wow, this is written weird. Probably the translation is why. Uh, basically, it's just saying we've had the US title since 2017. Then Will Osprey turned it into the UK title. Things got a little muddy and confused, and now it's just the global title encompassing all of the globe. So there we go. With that, guys. I know I rushed the end there, but we're coming up on Raw. Raw starts any minute now, and that's going to wrap everything up here. I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, I will be back in just a couple short hours following Raw to break down that show. And 
maybe talk more news. We'll see what happens with Raw. So with that, guys, have a great night. Go watch Monday Night Raw, then come back here. We'll talk about that show. Have a good one, guys. See you next time.